don't do things just because one thing's more money than another. You know, also look at where do you want to go and what's going to make you happy in that journey and in that path. Because the money will come, you know, but great bosses and great relationships don't always come. Created for the MAPE community by the MAPE community. Left Unsaid is a podcast where we speak our truth, celebrate our talents, tell our stories, and explore what matters most to us. It's time to leave everything on the table and make sure nothing is left unsaid. Welcome to another episode of Left Unsaid. I'm your host, Carl Desir, and I am really, I think I say this a lot, though, I'm really excited because I'm always really excited about the guests we have on today, but I'm particularly excited and I know our guest today went to Yale. I went to Harvard. We're not going to hold that against each other for this conversation. It's going to be cordial. We're not going to throw shots at each other's universities, right? Can we, can we agree to that? Well, because I would win. Oh, oh, see, already, already out the gate. Um, well, Nikki, go ahead, introduce yourself, and then we can we can get into insulting each other's um, educational background. Um, so I'm Nikki Knoll, and I was mate class of 2005. Um, I interned at Ogilvy and Mather for my summer internship, um, and yeah, I'm now here, based in Dallas, Texas, and going to work with uh, Compass in a marketing capacity starting next week. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, congrats on the new gig. Thank you. It's really mm-hmm. great. You know, as we as we do on this podcast, for those who haven't listened to all the episodes, but I know everybody has, doing the red, yellow, green check-in. Green, coming in 100% ready to go. Red, ooh, you're not here. You're not ready, but you're still going to do it anyway. Yellow is somewhere in the middle. Nikki, how are you coming in today? I feel like I'm a purple. Ooh, okay. I, I, I feel like, you know, I'm that combo of, you know, that green, blue, I'm here, I'm present, but I'm also excited with, you know, everything else going on in my life that I want to get going and I want to keep moving at when this is done, but excited to share kind of in the moment and be present for this next kind of 60 minutes or so. <laughs> nice, nice. Nick, you, oh, sorry, you said you were um, MAPE 2005, right? Yes. Okay. Yep. So that's a uh, pre- old now. <laughs> no, no, no. I mean, this is this is like the, the golden age for for that year. That that, that yeah. year, I'm I graduated '05 as well. So don't call me old. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but I I want to know because like 2005, like we Mapes come a long way since 2005. Mm-hmm. So I'm just and even before my time, I didn't know about Mape when I was in college, mm-hmm. and I learned about it afterwards. So I don't even know what that time was like. Can you give us kind of you know tell us a little bit about your experience? In May, back in 05, way, way, way back then. Yeah, I feel like, you know, it was these early days of, you know, a lot of the energy of the unknown. It was, let's get together some really smart, some really talented groups of kids who want to do big things, but aren't quite sure how or why they want to do it or where they want to do it. And I think, you know, Tiffany Warren was leading the charge back then. And you know, if anyone can lead a charge into the unknown, I think it's her. <laughs> and she basically wrangled, you know, a bunch of overexcited 2020, 2021 year olds in New York and beyond to kind of find what was their passion. And, you know, so we did, we would go to our agency jobs, kind of, yeah, we were interns. So we were working, you know, nine to seven, nine to eight, nine to nine. And it was kind of the work hard, play hard. And we'd all come yeah. back and, you know, we sit at the International House. I'm not sure if that's kind of where the kids oh still sit. Oh my sitting. goodness, they don't, but I remember the I House. Yeah, wow. and it was 
It was one of the hottest summers in New York history. You know, every day was 100 degrees. There was no air conditioning. We'd all wake up sweating and anxious to get to work because there was air conditioning in the agencies. Um, Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, you know, so it was this exciting time. We we all thought we were going to do great big things, but we weren't quite sure how. And it was just one of those easy times where all you had to do was get to work, do a good job, and your path would fall into place in a way. Um, you weren't thinking too much of the future. You weren't thinking if it was good, if it was bad, if it was the right step. It was just living in the moment and having a great time. And some of my best friends today are still fellow Mapers from that year. And um, and I think that's probably true today is that, you know, because you are working together in this really unique situation, you make some of your best friends that are lasting. Yeah, I've, I've heard that time, and I've heard it and seen it time and time again about the the mapers of, you know, whatever class you're in, that the, the bonds you create are, are lifelong. So you mm-hmm. said that, you know, you're just trying to go day to day, not really worrying about the future. I mean, mm-hmm. tell us, I mean, your, your background has brought you all over the world, <laughs> right? Doing a whole yeah. bunch of things. Did you ever expect you would be doing all that when you were sitting there in your air-conditioned office, you know, during your internship? I mean, I think, you know, by default, again, all of us had really big dreams. We all thought we were going to run an agency. We all thought, oh, we'd be the next CEO of a company. Um, But I think, you know, in that moment, it was, we were so, you know, I think blissfully naive. And I think a lot of us were anxious to learn. I don't think anyone really came in as a know-it-all. You know, I see, this is going to make me sound old, but I think, you know, sometimes today, you know, because kids are so educated, you know, Google's at their fingertips. They can learn things, you know, a lot quicker than we could because of things of like the internet and having mobile phones always on them. And back then it was, you know, your learning didn't come from Googling. It came from the people around you, I think more than anything. And because of that, you know, I found really great mentors and I found people who educated me and told me it's okay to be patient. It's okay to not get too wrapped up in, you know, what comes next. Enjoy the moment. Enjoy what you have. Um, And I think I've lived my life like that. Of course, I want to do big things, but I also understand you can't predict the future. And so, yeah, I've traveled the world and I've worked for incredible companies. And, you know, sometimes I wish I could say, oh, I've been with this company 15 years I've loved it for all 15 years, but shit happens. You know, you get married, you have kids, you have bills to pay, you know, and you have to make decisions that aren't just a hundred percent about work. Yeah. All those responsibilities, being an adult, all those things that come <laughs> along with just, just growing up. But yeah. I think, you know, you mentioned like, you know, the not knowing, I mean, I, I interview um, applicants for Harvard now and I'm just mm-hmm. so glad that I got in when I got in. <laughs> Because you're, you're right, like everything is here and they know so much and they do so much and it's so competitive that it makes it harder. And I think you, you hit on a, a really good point. Like no matter what time it is, like it's those people, those mentors, the sponsors that you can connect with. It's the, it, it all comes back no matter what time it is to your relationships you have mm-hmm. and how that can help you grow and move. I know I've, I've had opportunities in my career because of mentors, mm-hmm. sponsors, friends, um, mm-hmm. just in and out of the industry. I think it's a, you know, you touch on it with mate, but also even outside of that with finding those mentors. So let, let's, let's walk through 
your career because I, I want to crisscross the map, you know, as, as we walk mm-hmm. down memory lane with you. So you said you uh, interned at Ovi and Mather. Mm-hmm. And then what happened after that? During that internship, um, my two bosses at the time were incredible. Keith Newton, Freya Williams. Yeah, they're kind of high up in still agency land today. And Freya had been part of the WPP fellowship when Uh, she was younger. And she said, I think it could be a great opportunity for you. They've never really had Americans as part of this program. Why don't you give it a go? And, you know, already I think that's when I had that intersection of, do I take the safe route or do I take the risky route? Because Ogilvy at that time also had a program where you could work kind of for one year for them and rotate through all their different programs Mm. after college. But you couldn't apply to both. I either had to apply for the WPP fellowship, you know, where they get thousands of applicants and only take about five to 10 people per year or the Ogilvy and Mather job for one year rotations, which, you know, lower applicant pool and more people onboarded. And yeah, I kind of figured, you know what, let's go big. If I don't get WPP, I'll find something. I'll make something work. And I did. I applied. Um, and, you know, part of the perk, I was like, just get to the final round of interviews. You get to go to London. They'll fly you to mm. London if you get to the final round. And, yeah, so I made it out there. I was one of seven chosen that year. And that really started the whirlwind WPP life for me, where I got to pick where I worked and what I did for essentially three years before settling into one of their agencies. So I started in New York working with Ogilvy One as a relationship analyst and that was early days when influencers, CRM, you know, that was all cutting edge. <laughs> um, and, you know, we created uh, direct marketing emails where all of a sudden it said, you know, dear Carl. And that was like groundbreaking. <laughs> so, so absolutely love that. Really got my analytical skills into, you know, play working on American Express. And yeah, I said, all right. I know how to work numbers now. I know how to do some really cool, innovative stuff with channels. Let's go be a channel planner. So I went and was a channel planner at one of uh, WPP's award-winning agencies for channel planning, which was the Sydney Palace, or the Campaign Palace at the time in Sydney, um, which is now part of the JWT network. And yeah, worked under Sophie Price, who wins, still wins awards left and right for her insight and her strategy. Again, worked on some great campaigns, things that won, you know, some Grand Prix in Australia when I was there and said, all right, let's go to London. Let's go to the mothership of strategic planning, oh, yeah. you know, where it all started. Had some visa issues getting there. So I did a quick stint in Hong Kong with, again, Ogilvy and Mather and strategic planning. Loved it. I probably would have stayed there if I didn't already have London in the works. <laughs> wow. Yeah, but then went to London and, you know, London was interesting because when I got there in September 2009, that's when the big recession was hitting. All of a sudden, companies and brands were pulling back spending left and right. You know, it was it was just an odd time. I was with Coley Porter Bell, which was a packaging design company. Um, companies like Chivas and Kotex and Unilever. And, you know, it just was getting pulled back. So I switched over to Mindshare halfway through. Um, started to learn some insights, some consumer insights, ethnographic research, you know, really one-on-one focus groups and hone my skills that way. And, you know, when that fellowship came to an end, my mentor, John Steele said, you know, where do you want to settle? And I said, where should I settle? I have no clue because the world's in chaos right now. Um, He said, go to Singapore. 
If you love Asia, go to Singapore. It's booming more than China right now. They're still spending money on advertising. Get there. So I went to, yeah, Singapore and became a media manager at MEC, leading the accounts for Citibank, DHL, um, Caltex, you know, kind of the gamut. And with that said, I absolutely love Singapore. Um, I was there five years. While there, I transitioned to an independent agency to, again, be in the creative space with Iris um, before starting my own consultancy, Bear Native. And talking about that life trajectory, Bear Native was really started because, you know, I had made great connections. I was able to get clients, you know, pretty easily, but I also knew I was dating a guy back here in the States and love makes you do stupid things. And I knew <laughs> at some point something had to give. He either had to get to Singapore or I had to get back to the U.S. And having a consultancy let me, you know, be where I needed to be. And, you know, it was a smart decision. He's now my husband. So right, you know, it worked out. There you go. I'm happy it all worked out. But yeah, Toyota was one of my big clients when I was out in Asia and great relationship with them. And when I moved back to the States, they said, you love working with us so much, come work for us. Hmm. So that's when I transitioned to Toyota. You know, fast forward again, they decided to relocate their headquarters to Dallas. I was seven months pregnant. I wasn't about to uproot my family again. Stayed in LA, worked for Cody. Uh, Cody, again, just divested the group I was in. Um, so again, a life decision. I wasn't about to go to Geneva. I didn't want to be part of a private equity firm. Went to Cabo. And Cabo, you know, great two years, travel industry, COVID hit. Oh, so man. here we go. I was laid off in June. And, you know, so I feel like these past few years, all I've wanted is stability, especially being, you know, a mom and having a family now. And all of a sudden I've had to, you know, uproot multiple times, you know, every two years to survive, you know, to make things work and try and find happiness in my work life along my personal life. So that's kind of the quick whirlwind, but yeah, now I'm in Dallas and, you know, I feel like I'm starting a new path in a new industry. I'm, like I said, taking a job with Compass Real Estate, doing really exciting things out here in the Texas market, which is booming and, you know, hone my marketing skills again. <laughs> yeah, wow. Um, quite quite a whirlwind all over <laughs> the world. Like, I, I keep hearing the reoccurring thing of, like, even from your MAPE days, you're like, I'm just here right now, taking in the moment. I don't know what's coming up next, but I'm here. So let's let's do this. And it would like it brought you everywhere. And I have John Steele. I have a funny, funny story about John Steele because I I applied for the WPB fellowship as well. I didn't get it. I'll chalk it up that I went to Harvard. You had to get it because you went to Yale. You know, you got to get it. I put in a bad word for you. I figured. I figured. (laughs) Um, But I I was I I was applying, and at the same time I applied, I was also reading about the industry because I didn't know anything about it. And I'm reading his book in my parents' basement you know, like most millennials after college. And I'm reading his book. I get a phone call and I pick it up and it's this like British guy. He goes, I'm John Steele. That was the worst British accent ever. And I literally, I don't say anything. I look at the book. I look at the phone. I look at the book. I look at the phone. I'm like, John Steele who wrote Truth, Lies, and Advertising? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm literally reading your book right now. He's like, oh, that's embarrassing. I'm like, no, it's actually pretty good. He's like, no, it's I feel like I'm having such deja vu. I was in my college dorm with Truth Lies and Advertising next to me. He called, and I, I was like a fangirl. I was like, oh, my God, your book is next to me. And, yes. and you know, he started, I was studying Swahili at the time. And so he started speaking Swahili to me, and I'm going, oh, crap. 
is he going to test me on my oh, Swahili skills right now? Like, Already a pop quiz. I haven't like, even. Can we get back to his book? <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just thought it was really impressive that he called to do those interviews, yeah. you know? Um, just that personal touch and yep, vetting yep. every single resume. And yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a great program. It seems, I mean, I know there's another Maple alum, at least one that I know, um, Haywood Watkins III, who went through yep. it as well. Um, and a bunch of people I know from, from college. So it's, it's great. It, and it seems like, again, you were just like, I'm here I'm doing this thing. I don't really know what's next, but let, let's, let's just go with it. Let's mm-hmm. see. And when that time comes, I need to make a decision. I'm going to make a decision that's best for me. And I think, you know, part of me does sometimes have moments of regret. You know, everyone mm-hmm. says, Oh, live with no regret. But sometimes I do because I do, I want to run a company. I want to be head leadership. And sometimes I'm going, Oh, if I had stuck it out at that company, that wasn't quite a great fit. But maybe if I had just stayed there, I could have been the VP of this by now. I could have been the CEO of this now. You know, you always have this idea that the grass is greener on the other side. But, you know, in all honesty, I could have stayed at that company and been in that same position for 10 years and hated my life for it. Um, You know, you never know. And I think I've learned to be a bit more patient and to try and write things out. But like I said, and like you saw with my career, you know, sometimes things throw you, you know, curveballs at you, whether it's a divestiture, whether it's a company closing, whether it's COVID. It's, yeah. You, you I was know. Say, 2020 <laughs> so, was a big old curveball for everybody Yeah. in, in, in this. Cause you, everyone was like, yeah, moving along. Like we always do. And then 2020 came COVID and every, everything. And it was just like, yeah, mm-hmm. nothing you thought was real was actually real. Yeah, because it's it's all turned upside down. Well, and I think, you know, sometimes you're handed opportunities that you don't want at the time too. you know, uh, Toyota, you know, I absolutely loved working for them. I had an incredible boss, incredible mentor. Um, so it was hard to leave them, you know, to again, put my personal life first. And now that I'm here in Texas, you know, I've had my bosses reach out saying, do you want to work for us again? Can you come back? And I'm going, Oh, is that what I want right now? Yeah, Mm. I love it. You know, and it it is, it's again, that balance of, will I be happier? What do I put first? And because I do think I could build an incredible career at Toyota and to have a great boss and mentors who, you know, appreciate me and want me to be there, but, you know, maybe it's not the right time right now, you know, and it's kind of, you know, you just never know. And you have to weigh these questions all the time. And, you know, I wish it was simple. <laughs> yeah, and it's 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 constantly my my coaching mentor, especially this year. You know, asks me this question and himself and, and his clients. You know, the question is simple: It's like, how do I want to live my life, mm-hmm. right? And you touched on it before. Do I do I want to run that company, be that VP, but have no, but have potentially no time for my family? You know, yeah. do I want to stay at this company fifteen years? you know, and maybe be happy or just like, just go with the flow and every two years bounce around and, and find mm-hmm. what I really want to do. And it just comes back to that question. It's like, how do I want to live my life? Yeah. And if, if you don't know the answer to that question, you got to think about it a little bit. Right. And that answer might change based on, you know, like you said, you got responsibilities. Love makes you do stupid things. You, you have mm-hmm. kids, you got mortgages and you know, it's like, but how do you want to live your life? Is really the question. Yeah. It's crazy to me that 22-year-olds are expected to pick their lifelong career. Right. It's like you come out of college all excited. You know, you get your first job, and it's like you kind of get pigeonholed into, 
oh, now beauty's your industry. Oh, alcohol's your industry. And you're going, these kids are 22. They don't even know how to like feed themselves still, (laughs) you know? And I Because there's an app for that. That's why. Yeah, exactly. You know, delivery these days, it's easy enough. So I think, you know, and that continues throughout life as well. As you go through the different life stages, you continue to figure out what makes you happy. You continue to figure out, like you said, where you want to go in life. And that could be changing industries. It could be not working. Um, And I, I think one of my biggest pet peeves as well is that, you know, companies always talk about how, yeah, maybe they want diversity or they want people who think out of the box. But then when they go to hire people, they're like, oh, but you don't have 15 years of experience, you know, in pharma. And you're like, I get there's some nuances. I get I need to onboard, but come on, you know, this is why things continue to be stagnant or why industries all look the same. The pharma example, why every single time you see, you know, people walking on a beach holding hands and, you know, the Seattle's chairs. Same two chair Adirondacks chairs in every Seattle's commercial. Exactly. You know, so it would just be nice, you know, with diversity of background and, um, you know, and kind of culture, there's also this diversity of experience and outlook um, that would be appreciated, I think, as well. You know, and I always joke that there should be professional internships. You know, they give internships to college kids. But yeah, what about that 40-year-old who wants to change jobs? What about, Mm -hmm. you know, that 50-year-old who's like, oh, I'm burnt out from consulting. Let me go work somewhere cool and hip and, you know, give them a second chance. Apprenticeships should come back. I think those Uh, would be be great. Because I I think you you, you hit on such a point that I remember my time working in advertising, working constantly with recruiters and, and agencies. And all I ever heard was like, yeah, we want all this. But, you know, they have to have X, Y, and Z. And as you, as like, you know, as time went on, people were like, we got to hire for potential. Yeah. But the potential has to be based on the fact that you've done this for so many years. And you're right. It's like, how, how can we ever move this forward if we're not willing to look beyond uh, a resume, yeah. a LinkedIn profile, and actually mm-hmm. see the, the skills, forget about transferable skills, because there's skills that the people yeah. have and can bring, because you could teach how to like do advertising in pharma like mm-hmm. that that's teachable but there mm-hmm. are some things that aren't teachable that don't mm-hmm. necessarily show up on a resume and i think you hit on a good point too where you know some of your opportunities came from people you knew or mentors or just relationships you built over the years and you know i know sometimes that can get jaded with maybe some people being put into positions they may not you know be a fit for or skilled for but I think that's a great, great, you know, way to kind of filter out who's good or who's bad or who has the potential for a role because all of a sudden you have someone vouching for a personality, you know, Mm -hmm. things that can't be read on paper. You have someone vouching for drive, for kind of the way they maintain their relationships. And, you know, to me, that's paramount to kind of anything is, you know, Toyota, again, they took a risk on me by saying, you know, you were consulting for us. The U.S. is a whole different market. But, hey, this guy vouches for you. We'll give you a go. And I didn't know a thing about automotive or product planning. I didn't know what a platform was, what, a, you know, the different cylinders were. And, yeah, you know, I had six months of onboarding with an incredible boss. And I could do the job. And, you know, they took it to the next level for me. And I think that's why I have a sweet spot for companies like Toyota, because they see the potential. 
They mm. don't just look at, you know, what the paper says. They look at what the paper can say. Mm. I like that. I like that. They don't look at, they look at what the paper can say. Um, and that, I think that's key because what, what you could learn about, you know, the difference between a four to six cylinder, you can learn mm-hmm. about that stuff. Yeah. You, and you're more excited because you don't know. Exactly. Like you love it. Yeah. <laughs> so. yeah. And, and I just want to, I want to be clear about one thing, like just for, I don't think for you and me, but for mm-hmm. folks out there, when I say the relationships, I don't mean networking, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. This isn't like I'm going to a, now a virtual event and I'm just talking to people. Like I'm talking about actually building a real relationship with somebody so they know you at your best and at your not so best, right? Because that's how they really can vouch for you and say, like, even in the most stressful times, Nikki can pull through because she's da 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 yeah. right? So in the best times and the stressful times, it's all good. And that that's like, important. I feel like they should almost interview spouses. <laughs> Just oh, like, no, yeah. I, don't, I don't think that's a good idea. Yeah. I don't think that's a good idea. They should probably interview children. Yeah. That's a good idea if you have yep. it. But I think you're right. I think they should probably interview. And that's, that's interesting, right? Because they usually when they ask for references or people check, like, you know, you, you're not going to give a reference that's not going to say glowing things, mm-hmm. right? And, mm-hmm. but if you interview, that's why I think these whole, like, especially with reviews, like the 360 reviews, where you're interviewing every, like, a lot of people who you work with, whether it's very closely or not, gives a more well-rounded view of the person, also introduces a lot of bias. But yeah, there should be, like, somebody that they interview from your personal life, you know, like a friend you've had for over 10 years or something like that. Wouldn't it be funny if there was like a Yelp for people? It's like, Isn't that what Facebook you know, here's is? Carl, you know, he's a four star rating and That's you know, funny. here's what people have to say about him. You know, it's a funny concept, but it's like we do it to businesses and yeah, a lot of times you get people kind of trying to get something out of it because maybe they had a bad experience or, you know, mm-hmm, the food mm-hmm. wasn't up to, you know, par of what they expected. But in that same respect, you know, people are looking to individuals to be the same, to provide a service at a caliber they expect. Yeah. Um, and you're kind of going into it blindly outside of what they say about themselves. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of what, like, um, they do it for the medical profession, right? It's like ZocDoc yeah. and things like that. They do it for professors as mm-hmm. well. I mean, LinkedIn is kind of just like, I'm just going to endorse you and say great things about you. Yeah. Um, but LinkedIn's a whole nother beast. So yeah, I mean, yeah. they're, I don't know. I, I'm not that entrepreneurial, but I'm sure there's somebody out there listening who wants to take that on yeah. and do that. That's not, it's not my area of expertise, uh, but somebody out there can do it. I'm sure mm-hmm. of it. I'm sure of it. So, so now you're embarking on a new journey, mm-hmm. Compass, mm-hmm. right? Tell me what, what made, you know, Compass, because you talked about, like, you know, how you felt about Toyota and the type of, what, what made Compass the right fit for you now? I think, you know, with how the market is and the dynamic going on, I think no one expected the housing market to be as strong as it is. Mm. You know, you're seeing that average home prices are, you know, what is it, 6% over the average for the year. Days on market have dropped significantly. Yes, And, you know, it's always an industry that's been interesting to me because it is so fluid. It is so fast moving. And it's also, again, case in point of a lot of the advertising looks the same. You know, you have the realtor slap their face on a, on a postcard, mail it out to you and talk about how they can sell your house. And I think, so as an industry, it always interested me and it always got me excited about what could be done and the fact that it is something that is very personable or personal to everyone in the world. 
And I think Compass specifically, their approach is really unique to me. They're taking a tech spin. Mm. They're saying, we understand buying a home is a very personal experience, but we're going to create the technology to make sure you're not only going to get the home you want, you can also see houses that may not have been on your radar. We're going to find the market value. We're going to negotiate based on that. Um, and really putting this quantitative spin to an industry that's been so relationship focused. Um, you know, you're basically, again, trusting whoever you pick as your agent to guide you in one of the biggest investments of your life, just on a handshake. And they're <laughs> saying, that's great, but guess what? We're going to make you feel good about this investment because of all the numbers and all the facts we put behind it. Um, and that's what got me excited was, you know, they see themselves as a tech company mm. who then extends to the personal lifestyle, you know, sphere of an industry and to be able to do marketing for them, I think excites me because I can now take agents and, you know, try to different, differentiate them from one another, really pull apart what makes them unique as an agent while laddering up to kind of this mothership of branding, um, to be consistent and, yeah, Compass is, an, you know, it's also great in that it's a private company. There's a lot of energy. There's a lot of potential for growth. Um, you know, with my international background, they've asked me, would you someday love to grow the international side of our business? And absolutely, you know, oh, why not? Okay. So I think that's kind of, yeah, where I'm at. And, you know, to bring that personal aspect, they were one of the few companies that said, we want you to have a personal life. We want you to be able to spend time with your family. You know, we expect you to do great work for us, but hey, on the weekends, that's your time. You know, you know, despite all these companies I've been at, no one's been blunt enough to tell me we respect your time. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel you so much in that because I just started at Netflix and my boss has said that many a times and people have right. said that mm -hmm. many a time. Protect your time, protect mm -hmm. your calendars, and that's often unheard of. I resonate so much with the um the the marketing and advertising of the real estate industry just looks so much the same because yeah. <laughs> i've bought and sold two places in new york and when once they see that it's like you're on that you're you're looking or you're selling every postcard in the mail everything gets slipped under your door like yeah. you can't tell the difference like the only thing difference is maybe the colors of it mm -hmm. because of the different companies so I think it, that's really good. And also, as you were talking, I was just remembering your your path and your career. And we were talking about, like, you know, the potential of the paper, right? You said the potential of the paper, not what's on the paper. And if you look back on your paper, you got mm -hmm. travel, beauty, automotive, mm -hmm. you got your own thing, you got advertising. Real estate's not on there. Yeah, no. It's not, it's nowhere near there. Yeah. And yet they were like, you know what? You got a lot of experience, like, come on over, do this work. And I mean, I wouldn't have known if, if I didn't know your background and you were I just listening to you speak right now. I'm like, wow, she's been in real estate for a while. Look at her spit off all those facts and talk about the market because you can learn that stuff. And you, you're I know you're a very curious person. So you're probably like diving in deep with all this stuff. So yeah. I think and like I think, yeah, you know, their HR team was incredible you know yeah i've applied to jobs where you know you just never hear back you know not even the automated response of nope sorry and you're going really you know i spent hours updating my resume doing a cover letter you know trying to 
create a login for your system and you know the least you could do is give me a little something even if it's a no especially Um, you you were you were in your career early in your career you were like remember when like dear carl was like the hot new thing so this has been a thing going forever you can't do this yeah exactly um whereas you know from the get-go you know i applied to compass blindly i didn't know anyone in the industry Mm. i didn't have any connections just a simple online and within a day hr reached out saying Hey, your resume is interesting. Why do you want to talk to us? Why are <laughs> you why are you applying to us? And you know, just to hear my story and hear why I was interested was huge for me. Even if they had decided not to move forward, I you know, I would have still been like Compass is a great company. I will highly recommend them. You know, it wasn't a fit for me, but hey, you know, they treat you well and they respect you. And I think when you do that, you get top talent, you get people who want to want to apply to you. And, you know, I think it's also a lot of companies will try and lure with big paychecks and try and monetize happiness that way. And, you know, I'm all for having a big salary and making a lot of money. But I also think I've been in situations where I've made a good salary and I was treated like crap. And, you know, you're going, oh, get me out of here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot. I think that's often left off the table when people think about just engaging with each other as, as humans, yeah. right? And that's why even going back to our, both of our experiences um, with John Steele and the, mm-hmm. the fellowship, right? I didn't get in, right? But I, I, I still recommend people apply to it because it was like, oh, there's a personal touch. Like they yeah. cared enough to take to call you. And I, I feel the same way about companies. It's like, mm-hmm. and I, I tell all the time, companies, like it's the experience, your mm-hmm. experience and it's so funny because especially in advertising, right? Like we always talk about the consumer journey and, and how mm-hmm. brands, the touch points and all these mm-hmm. things, but never think about it for as a company, right? Mm-hmm. Your touch point starts not just with the branding and what people see, but with that recruiter mm-hmm. and how you're treated in that. And if you never get a call back, if you never hear back from the company after you, this, it's like, why would I tell anyone to go back there, Right. Yeah. And that's, you know, I think advertising it's, yeah, I had such a great experience, you know, working at Ogilvy, that was when Shelly Lazarus walk in the halls and, you know, she would come by and say hi to people at their desk. And this is a woman who's, you know, running the show and one of the most powerful women in advertising. And she's taking the time to ask, are you enjoying your internship? Are you being, you know, being allowed to participate in all the meetings? Are you, and just to have someone like that, who truly seems to care. Yeah. I'll, you know, advertising. Yeah. I'm not in the industry now, but you know, I'll always have a soft spot for Ogilvy and Mather. You know, if I'm someday mm-hmm. head of advertising at a company, you can bet I'll look at Ogilvy and Mather to be on my roster. And <laughs> I hope, I hope, I hope the agency folks, I hope all people are listening about this. Like it's treating people like, like they're people. Right. Yeah. And I also want to give you some kudos for, reaching out to Compass and being like, hey, here's who I am. Here's who I want to work for you. Take it or leave it, yeah. right? I'm not trying to impress you with all these things. In my mind. I was like, oh, this is who I am. This is why I want to work. Because that, that takes a lot of courage, especially mm-hmm. in, in this day and age in 2020 where, you know, so many people are suffering, so many people don't have jobs, so many people are scared to lose their jobs. Just going up and being like, I'm Nikki. Mm-hmm. Here I am. Here's mm-hmm. why I want to work for you. You know what? take it or leave it. And they are receptive to that. 
Well, and I think, you know, they were open to it. And I think there was some hesitation because, you know, the role I applied to wasn't a director role. You know, it was slightly below where I've been, you know, in the past few years. And they were going, why are you willing to do this? Why are you willing, you know, the salary is not what you had before. What are you? And I'm going, again, this is a lifestyle choice. This is Mm. a personal career choice. You know, I'm looking at a path that can lead me through not just one year. Yeah, maybe for a year, two, three years, I'm not on the same level I was over the past few years, but I believe this company will take me further than where I've been in the past. I believe this company will, you know, let me be the boss that I want to be, will let me, you know, lead and direct and strategize with some of the top people. And yeah, again, it may not be today, but I believe it could be in the future with you guys. And I think, yeah, you know, that helped pacify them and help them to say, hey, you know what, this is a girl that does have the energy that wants to make something of herself. And some of the advice I have to maybe people who are listening or some of the younger audiences, again, don't do things just because one thing's more money than another. You know, also look at where do you want to go and what's going to make you happy in that journey and in that path? Because, you know, the money will come. Great bosses and great relationships don't always come. You know, set yourself up to make the most of what you have and what you can have. Yeah, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Um, every, sometimes people are so focused on money, but the money will come if you if you just mm-hmm. stick stick to the path, no matter how divergent it might get, but stick to the path, the goal, right, of what you want and how you want to live your life. You, I, I got to want to switch gears, but not really, because you talked about the lifestyle choice. Right. Oh, I'm not going to lie. I wasn't preparing for this. But as I was looking through your um, LinkedIn profile now, one of the last lines is that you love to keep it healthy. You're a certified health coach, feng shui master and exercise devotee. Mm -hmm. Talk to me. uh, Certified health coach. What was Mm -hmm. the thing there? Feng shui master. What is that? Tell me. Tell me all. Tell me all the things because I need to get my health up. So when I was living in Hong Kong, I went to Vietnam on a trip. Um, It was typhoon season. A typhoon hit. I was kind of stranded in Sapa, um, which is northern Vietnam, for kind of two weeks. The the roads were down. The train tracks were broken. You know, there was no getting out for two weeks. And, you know, mind you, this is a very small town. The water's kind of limited. Things are just a bit dirty. And I got really, really sick. I came back to Hong Kong. I was hospitalized for a week and a half. And ever since then, you know, I was never the same. I would get really bad stomach cramps. Um, I couldn't eat a lot of stuff. And, you know, fast forward to Singapore, they finally, you know, did a bunch of tests and did um, an elimination diet. And I had become gluten-free, dairy-free, soy-free, and egg-free. And, you know, I'm a Chicago girl. I grew up on deep dish pizza. I grew up, you know, with a family that would go to the movie theater just so we could have the nachos. And all of a sudden, I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to eat? That's everything. Um, So I really went down this path of holistic well-being. And, you know, it was great being in Singapore because there was a lot of understanding of herbal remedies and more of a holistic approach. And yeah, through that, I decided to, yeah, be part of the Institute for Integrative Nutrition. 
um, just to, again, become a certified health coach. So, you know, I understood more about my body, what would make me run more smoothly, but also as, yeah, in the future, a side gig, making a career out of it. So when I first moved back to the States with my Bare Native consultancy, I also did health coaching on the side. Um, and I had clients who had everything from one woman couldn't gain any weight to one guy who wanted to try vegan. So it was really just part curiosity, but part also the excitement of making a business out of it as well that I, you know, went down that path. And the feng shui thing, again, being in Singapore, I'd always been interested in it. I figured if I'm getting my life in order, if I, you know, I'm learning what to eat, I should learn how to live. And I went to the Singapore Feng Shui Center and took a multi-month course. So was uh, certified as a feng shui doctor. I had a little card and everything that said I was certified. And, you know, they take it as serious as being a doctor because they believe if you position things or if the feng shui is off and it's your doing, you can make someone sick, you know? So Mm -hmm. you need to have the credibility to, you know, heal people with kind of your understanding and power of positioning and uh, energies and the blue blue's my color. I paint everything blue. I drive my husband crazy by making sure our bedroom faces north wherever we live. (laughs) You know, in the beginning, he used to fight it. Now he just kind of gives in. But I'm going, hey, look how great our life has been lately. It's feng shui. And, And, you know, I think it's a bit of a placebo effect in that I'm doing things that I believe will make me healthier. So therefore, I am healthier. I'm a bit of a luck fanatic. You know, I'll see a ladybug and think it's the best day ever. And Mm. You know, so that's kind of the quirky side of me. And I think it just balances out again to this kind of mantra of my personality and that I'm curious and, you know, I want to learn about things and I want to live the best life possible. We get one shot at it. I might as well do all that I can. And I've got, you know, there's always time to make for that. (laughs) Yeah, listen, I'm I'm asking for a friend who needs to get their health up, needs to get their life right. Um, mm-hmm. If you're still taking clients, I'll pass, I'll pass you along to them. Yeah, definitely. And, uh, you know, what I'll say for feng shui is, uh, you know, your feng shui is not the same as my feng shui. It's very personalized. So, yeah, it's based on kind of when you're born, how you're born, all that good stuff. So to anyone reading books on feng shui, be cautious and, yeah, take it with a grain of salt. <laughs> all right. All right. Let's make it multifaceted. So many different sides of you. What we do is at the at the as we get towards the end of the conversation we like to ask our guests to we give them 60 seconds and we ask them if there's anything else they want to leave for the for everyone just leave out on the table mm-hmm. one it could be one line it could be a couple lines just anything you want to say based on uh kind of where you are mm-hmm. what you know where you're going and what you want to leave our listeners with? I think stay excited. You know, you don't know what life is going to throw at you. You don't know the highs and the lows. And just stay optimistic, stay hopeful, stay excited. You know, I've been in those situations where, you know, I had bad days at work or, yeah, I was unemployed. And I would lay, you know, in bed crying or close to tears, not knowing what tomorrow would bring. And tomorrow will bring something. It's just a matter of when and how and COVID going on. You know, you see the stats of people being depressed or not feeling their best or, you know, unsure of what the future may bring. So if I could say anything, the future will bring something great. 
um, you just have to stay hopeful and the time will come for you or whoever it may be. Stay hopeful for the future. I like mm -hmm. it. Let's leave, leave it on that note. Nikki, thank you so much for taking the time to share your story uh, with us, with all of us today. Really appreciate it. Um, congrats on the, on the new role at Compass. I look forward to hearing and seeing all the great things you're going to do for real estate marketing there. I guess congrats on the move to Dallas. Thank you. And uh, yeah, just thank you again for sharing. Yep, thank you. All right. For everybody, well, thank you for listening. We'll see you next time.